Broadcasting from the Unshackled Studios in Melbourne, this is Wilms Front, brought to you by the Unshackled.net. Now here's Tim Wilms. Hello everyone and welcome back to another Wilms Front featured interview show on this Thursday the 28th of April 2022. We are live tonight on the Unshackled's Facebook page and the Wilms Front YouTube and Odyssey channels as well as on the interactive entropy software which I've put in the live chats where you can ask me or my guest tonight a question or send through a super chat. It is 8.30 p.m. here in Melbourne, Victoria, where we are almost halfway through the federal election campaign. Last Friday, the candidates for both the House of Representatives and the Senate were declared by the Australian Electoral Commission and the draws were conducted for positions on the ballot paper. You can look up the candidates for your electorate and state Senate on the AEC website, uh, aec.gov.au. Early voting begins on Monday the 8th of May, though you should, if you can, are going to be uh, available to vote on election day, that's when you should vote, Saturday the 21st of May. Uh, so if it's best to uh, make a decision after the completion of the campaign. Plus, uh, usually the AEC uh, count uh, the ballots at each polling place on election day on election night. Uh, so the, the more that vote on election day, uh, in the, uh, this has been the case in the past, uh, you get a firm result uh, more quickly. Uh, we've seen all the state and territory governments drop their vaccine passport systems and masks in most settings. Uh, the Australian international border is fully open to vaccinated and unvaccinated people with no quarantine requirements in one of those uh, quarantine camps. Many believe that uh, the uh, this uh, coordinated uh, relaxation of uh, COVID rules by all the states and territories uh, have uh, have been done to neutralise uh, COVID restrictions as a federal election issue. So voters aren't tempted to vote for a pro-freedom minor party, uh, particularly in the Senate. In Victoria, although the vaccine passport and QR codes are finally gone, the vaccine mandates for workers still remain. Today, 180 Victorian teachers who hadn't had the booster shot were stood down. Uh, so COVID restrictions are, are not over. This is not over uh, because uh, we think it is. Uh, we still have the pandemic uh, declaration in force in Victoria, which means that Health Minister Martin Foley can change the rules at any moment. All the pro-freedom parties are running candidates uh, for the Victorian Senate, uh, those being the United Australia Party, Pauline Hanson's One Nation, the Liberal Democrats and the Great Australian Party. There are also two pro-freedom independent groups running in the uh, Victorian Senate. Morgan Jonas is heading the Group R ticket. And uh, my guest tonight, uh, Damien Richardson, is heading the independent uh, Group B uh, ticket. Damien, before COVID, was a professional actor, including a four-year stint on the, uh, we should call it now, late Australian soap opera Neighbours. Still got a month to go. Still got a month to go, Tim. 
<laughs> and he's also been a co-host on Cafe Locked Out with uh, Michael Gray Griffith, who has also been a previous uh, guest on Wilmsfront. He's been travelling all around uh, Victoria uh, on this campaign, meeting uh, his voters. Uh, 14.3% uh, of uh, eligible Victorian voters. That's the quota for a candidate to win a Senate spot. Uh, so it's a big ask. Uh, Damien, welcome to Wilmsfront. Thanks for having me, uh, Tim. And now, as you've so rightly pointed out, the demise of Neighbours is imminent after something like 37 years of filming a soap opera. Some, some of the characters that have been there almost for the entire time, which is extraordinary. And at least... I, I left the show uh, ignominiously, uh, no doubt, uh, when I was killed off. But uh, now at least I can say the show ended because they got rid of my character. So now I'm a and I have a dirty secret. I want to I want to confess, Tim, because when I was going making Neighbours, and it was uh, you know clearly mainstream television. I've been involved in that industry for many many years. My dirty secret was sometimes I used to watch Wilms Front and there was a little thrill I got because I knew that the people at work would certainly not approve of alternative media. So uh, it's amazing how you can just transgress by watching something. Because what, what did you say in your introduction was, that was so inflammatory, that was so taboo, but there you have it for some reason. Um, that is how it's presented in the mainstream. Yeah, I've had some doozy write-ups in the well, the the, the trash uh, online media uh, over the years. Uh, so yeah, it's oh, it was refreshing because I, I found it refreshing because having worked in the mainstream, so I'd watch it and I was like, great, they're allowed to say the things that you know you knew you weren't allowed to say. No one tapped you on the shoulder and said, don't say that, but you knew that you know you could feel it dripping from the walls. So uh, yeah, the ideological correctness. Uh, I must confess I was never uh, a Neighbours fan. I did watch Home and Away for a, a while, but uh, Neighbours, it, it always it, it was renewed because it had uh, a huge following in the, the UK. Mm. Uh, they, they, Network 10 in Australia, they moved Neighbours to 11, which is now uh, 10 Peach, uh, so it was on... Uh, not their their main channel uh, anymore. I also it was well before my arrival, Tim. They moved it to Channel Eleven well before my arrival. Neighbours is the sort of show where you could go and be an actor and be on mainstream television in Australia and still walk down the street and nobody had any idea who you were. I also so it's quite a relief in that respect because you can still go about your day to day life and not have to worry about people wanting to talk to you incessantly about you know your acting career. Most I, people uh... usually said, "I'm sorry, I don't watch it," and I'd say the same thing to them, Tim. I'm sorry, I'm on it, and I don't watch it either. So, you know, why why would you? Oh, and some people really enjoyed it, and good luck to those people that did. But, uh, yeah, it certainly wasn't something I was uh, interested in pursuing. I also didn't watch uh, City Homicide, which was uh, <laughs> Evan show. What is this? So you get me on the show just to bag everything that I've done, all my work, my body of work? <laughs> I, How old were you when City Homicide was going, mate? You're probably too young. You wouldn't have been allowed to watch it. Oh, no, I was... I, I, I was of... Uh, it was about 2008, 2009, I was of uh, mature age. But, yeah, I just, yeah, it wasn't something that Didn't was... Didn't grab your fancy? No, um, but uh, that was back drama? in the day when people watched the, the network uh, show. Indeed. Less and less uh, people are watching 
we're watching the, the network uh, stations, which is why there's more news and more uh, particularly fear porn on the, the reality network. TV. Well, yeah. fear porn, we've witnessed that like on the next level, haven't we? The propaganda. Yeah, the reality TV as well. Well, the propaganda That's... around the COVID agenda too has been extraordinary. I've never seen anything like it. It made me ashamed actually of my profession and my career. Well, I think that uh, the mainstream media, they thought that the, the pandemic was their, their saviour over the, the past two years. Everyone locked at home, uh, and so they just yep. pumped up the fear porn, and now we're seeing that uh, things are returning to some form of normal while people are not locked in their homes. So they're, they're not watching uh, the news as much. They're not watching the streaming services, Netflix or Disney Plus as much. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, I've got three children and none of them watch television, so there's dark days ahead for the mainstream media. I mean, I guess there's still exes. I'm an ex-generation and the baby boomers maybe still rusted on to some extent, but uh, the generation coming through, don't, I don't think really have any interest in it. Now, the, the mainstream media, obviously, they're focused now on the, the federal election campaign, as are the, the, the politicians. Uh, COVID uh, policy, it hasn't really uh, had a mention in the campaign. It's it, it's only been in the news because if a, a candidate or leader gets COVID, then they're in ISO for seven days. So mm -hmm. Albanese gets out of uh, ISO tomorrow. It, uh, Do you reckon he did that deliberately <laughs> after his appearance at the Blues Festival? But he just had a, a really positive a performance in the debate. Uh, the previous night, and then the test showed up positive. So he was. Have you watched uh, that? Do you see that? This is a conundrum for me because I think, well, I'm running. Maybe I should be watching some mainstream television so I can see the debate, but I can honestly say I don't watch it. So I, I miss the debate. I probably hear enough anecdotes to be able to talk about it and address it. But to me, it's just a, a sideshow anyway, clearly. Uh, Krisha says, ISO, I, uh, isolation, uh, home isolation. So Albo did uh, a few uh, Zoom uh, appearances throughout the week. And what is he? He's practicing for his uh, campaign uh, launch speech in, in Perth uh, this weekend because uh, Perth or oh, Western Australia has been the last uh, jurisdiction to fall. They've got rid of their uh, G2G pass. Uh, this is another shameful chapter in uh, our uh, COVID response history, the fact that you needed a permit or internal passport to travel in between states. Uh, they've also got rid of their vaccinated economy, though, like Victoria, still keeping the, the vax. The oxymoron known as the vaccinated economy. Yeah. They got we rid of it. That certainly got rid of the economy when they decided it had to be vaccinated. Oh, WA has got the boosted they uh, the the booster mandate for everyone. Uh, so right. I mentioned in my introduction the the teachers who are stood down to today because they did not because they weren't were unvaccinated because they weren't boosted. They weren't mm. up mm. to date. And, and you, said, you said 180. I heard it was 240, but you, you've heard 180. Uh, that was the the the, the figure that uh, was uncovered today they mm -hmm. were going by january figure which mm -hmm. was 2500 hadn't had their their booster when uh remember when dan basically sort of said we're going to have a triple vaccinated economy but it never mm -hmm. eventuated and now it's well in certain sections mm, so yeah. inconsistent unlike everything else that's been forced upon us throughout this uh, pandemic now, obviously, the my reason appeal is, Tim, really, too, you talk about 
my policy, like my appeal is to those people today that don't want to take the booster. You know, my appeal is not just to those people who have resisted the whole program and haven't taken any shots. Uh, and clearly they, they are constituents that would consider voting for me. But really my appeal and the olive branches to those people like today who feel like they've had two or in a six or seven month period and now they're being asked to have a third with the promise probably of a fourth within a year and they think, well, I'm not your pin cushion. I went along with the program and I don't want to do it. I want to jump off the train now. So my appeal is to those people too that I would represent those people and the people who felt coerced right from the get-go that never wanted to never wanted to take the vaccination. And people like loved ones in my family who thought, well, this is just what the government does. They've vaccinated us before. What's wrong with you, Damien? Why are you getting so upset about this particular vaccination program? And now a lot of those people too think, hang on a minute, what's happening here? I've got to have a third one. I've never had to have a third one so quickly. Even if I had a yearly flu injection, it wasn't like four in a, in a 10 month period. And it's really concerning to people. So my appeal is to all of those people with you know, understanding that people make decisions based on what's presented them at that point in time and people are able and capable of changing their mind. And if they want to change their mind and jump off the vaccination program at any point in time, then their vote for Damien Richardson in the Senate is a vote for them and a vote for their position. You said uh, from the conversations that you, you've had on uh, out on the campaign uh, trail, there's... Mm. Uh, they, they, the major parties now, they want to basically not, by not talking about uh, the COVID policy, don't want to mm -hmm. remind voters of uh, what they've been put through uh, the last two years with the, the lockdowns, the masks, the mandates, the, the mm -hmm. QR codes and... Uh, their the pitch is it's okay to come back to the majors now because these uh, independents and minor parties, they don't know how to manage uh, inflation and uh, national security, stick uh, uh, stick with us and, and mm -hmm. see like we are getting back to normal. You, you, don't need, you shouldn't have listened to these uh, conspiracy theory. What's the new term? Cookers. Oh, cookers. What does that mean? Cookers as in? Or that you're like cooked in the in the in the in the brain. In the head, right? cooked in the brain, like cooking in, in stewing in your own juices. Right. Okay. Well, I hadn't heard that expression. I hadn't heard that. Well, the reality is I had a friend who I would imagine is vaccinated. He hasn't told me about it. He said, I got some free tickets to an AFL game, Damien. Would you like to come? And I said, Look, uh, you know, his name was Paul. As it turns out, that's fine. I have to say his last name. But I said, I don't think I'll get in. And he was like shocked. He thought, what are you talking about? And he went, oh, that's right. He sort of vaguely remembered that because he thought it was over. And so he rang up and then he got back to me and he said, oh, actually, no, your uh, vaccination status will be important to go to an AFL game. And I said, well, there you go. So I clearly won't be coming with you. And he said, well, why don't you just get a fakie? Because that's what people do. And I said, well, no, I'm not going to get a fakie. I'm not going to pull that line. Now, I understand, again, there's a myriad of reasons why people have had fake vaccination passports. I know people have had them and I've really understood that, but I've always thought, no, that's the line in the sand because you still give them what they want by presenting that fake passport. You'd still be ticked off as someone who's uh, succumbed to the program. So uh, so there's still very real consequences to people. I also went to a bridge opening because I thought Barnaby Joyce was going to be there to open a bridge. It was two weekends ago from Echuca to Moama. The bridge went over the Campaspe River, as well as the Murray River, uh, you know, this new piece of infrastructure clearly being a bit of pork barrelling, you know, just before the election. And you had to show a vaccination passport to get on it in the middle of the country there. 
you had to show a vaccine. They'd set it up. They'd set up a structure like a grid to enter. And so I didn't have one, but I was furious. I wasn't expecting that. I was expecting to see a bridge that Barnaby Joyce was opening. I was going to hand out some of my paraphernalia and pamphlets, et cetera. So I could still jump over the side railing and get on the bridge. But then there's that issue. Is someone going to come up to me? Did the COVID marshals see me? And are we going to catch eyes now? So I look away. Do they come up to me and say something? Am I going to have a fight with this COVID marshal and defend my right to be on a bridge? These are the thoughts going through my head. It's driving me insane. It's fine, as it turns out. There's all this lettering, all this signage on the bridge. Please stay 1.5 metres apart. 1.5 metres keeps us together and stuff. Everyone's just absolutely crushed in this. Everyone from the towns, the two towns are on that bridge at that particular point in time. Impossible for them to stay 1.5 metres apart, nor do they care to because it's all insanity. But how much money has gone into that program, enforcing that program? And you know full well when Barnaby Joyce is not there now, two weeks later, they're not enforcing that program. You can walk across that bridge as freely as you would like. And it was on the other side as well. It was on Moama. It wasn't just the Victorian side. So again, I'm on the bridge and I'm saying to myself, can I now walk into Moama or is it going to be harder for me to, you know, get around the system and jump over the railing on the Moama side and I'm going to be stuck in a situation where my car's in Victoria and I'm in New South Wales and I can't get to it. And all I'm doing is on a nice, bright, sunny day having a walk in the country over a bridge. And this is modern Australia. That's, that's the reality. And people can go along with it, as people did go along with it, and complied with the program, but it's insanity. And where does it end? And so they say to us, oh, so we're cookers, are we? Our brains are cooked. Well, how much money is that costing the Australian people? What detriment is that having on the economy? You want to talk about economic arguments? This is an economic argument as much as an argument as it is for freedom. And those things often co coalesce and coincide. And they do in this instance as well, because that's the insanity of the socialism they're instituting. So I'm happy to talk about these issues with anyone, any of them, because they don't want to talk truth. They're frightened of truth and they should be frightened of it. There's a movement in the Australian people and there's a feeling and a swelling. And that's what it is. It's a spearhead that I've got a team. I was just on my team before, Team Demo, you know, 50 or 60, mainly women, middle-aged women that want to support this political movement. They want to support a movement because it's coming from a point with purpose and truth like the Labour Party might have in 18 you know 97 when it was when you know it came about because of the miners strike in Queensland and it had necessity or as the Liberal Party did in 1942 with the Menzies you know forgotten people speech it had a reason to exist then and it no longer has a reason to exist they're like a uni party one's blue and runs red and my joke is that they should mix the colors together because then they get purple and they should both wear purple because there's no difference between either of them and you know who wears purple the aec the australian electoral commission and basically it's the bureaucracy that's in charge of all of them and that's the point i'm making and that's why i'm running for the parliament to make these points plainly and clearly to them why did you decide to run as an independent? So this is the the Victorian Senate candidates, your uh, Group B. Uh, so uh, there's you, number one, on the, the ticket, and then there's your running mate, uh, John McBride. Why didn't you want to uh, run with uh, one of the uh, pro-freedom minor parties, the, the ones that I mentioned in my introduction? Uh, mm -hmm. I don't know what your your views on other uh, policy uh, matters are, but... Uh, well, I got a bit excited by the UAP when it first came along because they were talking a language that no one else had uh, talked to that point in time. They were presenting another opinion, alternate view that was really interesting to me. But uh, ultimately, 
Um, I don't believe that I would be of any benefit to them in that party. I see if you see the people they've got in that party and some nice people, and I've met a lot of them on the hustings, but they're sort of like a cookie cutter version of politics. It's like more of the same. They've got all the all the talking points that they're clearly probably given from the party structure. So they stay on the party line. And that's not what I'm about. I'm about moving forward in in the in the freedom freedom movement. And I was at I was at protests and I was sitting at home uh, going along with the with the lockdowns month on end, month on end, and I was seeing other people stand up and give themselves a voice. And I was getting great heart and great encouragement from those people. And I knew it was a big thing to, for me to do because I knew I'd potentially be kissing goodbye to my acting career because as an act as an actor, you're a paid propagandist for globalism. You are a paid propagandist for globalism. We all know it. So whatever progressive cause is current, whatever progressive cause is de jour at that point in time is your cause is your talking point. No one tells you it has to be your talking point. You know it's your talking point. So I knew when I came out against the COVID narrative that it spelt trouble for me and my career, but I also felt I cannot live in the shadows anymore. This thing had jumped so far, it had slipped its moorings so badly that even before all the identity politics that I tolerated and accepted, and I think we all did, we all did, and honestly, at the end to our detriment, because this was what was waiting for us in the end. This was what was waiting for us. So how could I really in all conscience sell my soul? And really someone who should have in many respects because I have responsibilities. I have a mortgage. I have three dependent children still of dependent age. But what would I teach them? What would I teach them? How to stay inside the system and suck it up? Or should I teach them something else that sometimes it's important as a moral imperative to stand up for? What is it? Is it truth? Is it justice? I'm not the purveyor of all those things, but um, I'm interested in that conversation and I'm not frightened by the alternative point of view because it's moralism and it's lies and it's deception and ultimately it's corruption and at least it leads to the demise of our culture if it hasn't already. That's how big the battle is. If it hasn't already, the forces arrayed against us are extraordinary. Can they be surmounted? Nigel oh. Farage must have thought as much when he tried to get uh, the United Kingdom out of the EU. Sorry, Tim, you wanted to say something. I was on a oh, rant. I was saying that uh, you uh, you certainly weren't alone in the, the entertainment showbiz industry in uh, uh, standing up uh, against the, 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 the lockdown and lockdowns and all the other mandates that had been put in place. Uh, Dave Hughes, one of Australia's most prominent comedians, he uh, was a, a critic of, well, especially Victoria's uh, uh, Dan Andrews pandemic response mm -hmm. team arena mm -hmm. uh, as well. So uh, mm -hmm. I don't think your uh, acting career is as doomed as uh, uh, you think it is because it was maybe it was anyway <laughs> now i can just make out i can make out it was my my response to the pandemic <laughs> and also the uh there was a I lot think pretty tepid i think there's pretty tepid cri criticism from dave hughes and tina arena i don't know i haven't seen it I haven't made any detailed analysis of it i certainly didn't see them at any of the protests and i'm sure oh. it would have been noted if they had have been there because it was certainly noted that i was there and there was some other people and i won't name them because that it's up to them but that i did see at um rallies 
and uh, have a celebrity status, whatever that means, whatever that's worth. You don't want to name them on this program because uh, Victoria Police still might want, be wanting to, to hunt them down and give them a, a $5,000 fine uh, because you were at the, you saw firsthand uh, Victoria Police's uh, brutality. You were at the, the siege of the shrine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and- so, I, yeah, I got a fine and it was embarrassing because we were all sort of licking our wounds coming off the shrine after being monstered by the Victorian police force where they shot rubber bullets at uh, peaceful um, protesters, peacefully assembled on a shrine. And there was no plan to be on the shrine. There's all this criticism, oh, I sort of agreed with the protesters that then they went to the shrine, that sacred hallowed turf, as if that was some decision we had made. As, well, as, we've been chased by... As well, if it's just like Jan Andrews and the Victoria Police, as if that place, you know, is like belongs to them either. Well, because Dan Andrews loves the uh, Anzac legend so much, doesn't he? Because we all know this is the irony of the whole thing, that globalists don't like it because it represents a version of nationalism that they would rather not know about. They're happy to they're happy to celebrate it when there's a couple of football teams playing, as we saw one year when the march was banned, but 90,000 people were allowed to assemble in the MCG and apparently there was no problem with COVID then, but the march might have killed everyone. It's just an absurdity. And for them to pretend that they even care about Anzac Day when they would actually like to destroy it. And I remember studying the one day of the year by Alan Seymour when I was a kid at school, and I can see now what was in train then. And that was a real pejorative go at Anzac Day and the concept of Anzac Day and those men just being a bunch of drunken, you know, potentially rapists, as it turned out. That's how the progressive left have thought about Anzac Day for a very long period of time. So from now that for them to come out with some sort of sanctimony, pretend they want to protect it, give me a break. Give me a break. I used to get up every morning Anzac Day since I was a kid, since I can remember my grandfather would wake me up and take me down to the dawn service and I'd march with him when it was a really strong march and a lot of the Second World War boys were still alive. I know what Anzac Day means to me, and a lot of those Anzacs would be really proud of the stance we took because we were taking a stance for freedom that those guys were meant to be taking, not for the protection of a monument in service to institutions that have betrayed the Australian people. No, no, I won't accept it. Give, give me a break. And, and it's not like we meant to even be there in the first place. And then and now the pejorative is, and I heard Neil Mitchell talking on the radio the other day, you know, oh, but you urinated on the shrine. No, you didn't. Who? Show me. Where? Where's and the, the horse proof? Oh, I, urinated. I, well, exactly that's, right. That's there was a horse urinating right. in the shrine. And what I saw was young men, much younger than me, young enough to be my sons, walking around with plastic bags, picking up rubbish, making sure that the rubbish was being deposited in those plastic bags so they could be disposed of later. That's the majority of what I saw happening that day. And why isn't that mentioned in the mainstream media? Why can't we have a proper conversation about those people's concerns? Because those people went from being, what was it, two or 3,000 there that day to being up to 30,000 a month later to 40 to 50,000 towards the end of last year. There was half a million people assembled at the steps of the Victorian Parliament four weekends in a row. Yet you can dismiss those people's concerns, can you, as what, anti-vax? or neo-Nazis, they started calling us. What a joke. They're the worst-dressed neo-Nazis I've ever seen in my life. Seriously. I mean, you're supposed to take this serious? 
Oh, what was the the other thing? Uh, they 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 said they were fake tradies. The only uh, fake tradie I see on the, the TV news is is Dan Andrews at uh, infrastructure projects with his vest and and hard hat on. Uh, he's he's well, always it. out being a, a fake, fake tradie. Uh, yeah. And the other thing that he argues to say, oh look, we've got a ninety five percent double vaccination rate. It's basically saying that. Uh, Every, uh, that uh, because we've got so many people vaccinated, that means they agree with agree with me. But it's because he forced them to get yeah. vaccinated that it's that it's so high. And even people who voluntarily uh, like wanted to get vaccinated, they're still for uh, informed consent and uh, bodily autonomy. Well, I was a tradie for five days, as it turns out, Tim, because I was sitting at home learning, preparing lines for, for an audition. And then I'd learn them, you know, it took, might take me three day turnaround to get on top of these lines for whatever it was. And then, and then there would be a, a, a mandate, a new mandate the night before, which meant I would be illegal for me now to go to the studio and lay down a track. It would be illegal for my mum to come into my home and record me. Now I'm not saying she never did that, even though it wasn't <laughs> meant to happen, but, it put such pressure on and it became so difficult. I couldn't do voiceovers and stuff. Eventually, I'd be doing voiceovers in my cupboard. They'd have to send me around the equipment and I'd, I'd hop in my cupboard and lay down a track for a voiceover. It just made it so impossible to earn any money. And I had a friend, and at my age, and at that, that stage, I was getting towards 50, and he said he'd give me a start on the tools. And I thought, okay, I'll start on the tools. You beauty. Thanks for giving me a chop out, mate. So I started uh, working as, as an assistant to him. He's a carpenter, but he was doing some building in particular. And four days into my new career as a, uh, a chippy, <laughs> the mandate came out that I had to be double vaxxed to be on a building site. And that's really when I said, oh, oh, this, is, this is absurd. I've had enough. But then it put so much pressure between me and that person who'd given me a break. And he'd taken the vaccine. And his son, who was working with him too, hadn't taken the vaccine because he didn't want to. And his mum didn't want him to. And it was putting so much pressure on that family unit that it was fracturing, as so many family units were as a result of this vaccination program. But eventually he capitulated too. And he couldn't understand why I wouldn't. So it made it impossible for that relationship to exist. And we'd been friends for some years at that particular point in time. But that's what this is doing to people. It's driving people apart. And that was an acquaintance. Like I said, it's what happens in families. Marriages split apart. Children not allowed to go to McDonald's anymore. My children discriminated against for not being vaccinated. One minute they're on the roster, getting some self-esteem at a, at a very vulnerable, impressionable age. The next minute they're not on the roster and suddenly you're allowed to do it. What happened to all the anti-discrimination laws that we've been hearing about year on end, decade on decade? What happened to them? Nothing. They're pathetic. They're a joke, all of them, and they're all in it together, and they've crossed the Rubicon. And I believe we have to go after them because justice needs to be served. It has to seem to be served before we offer mercy. Mercy can come later because they showed us absolutely no mercy whatsoever, and I know that because I've got living proof through my children. One daughter really, really struggled at school but at least she had the structure of school. So she locks down for two weeks. That's fine. Three weeks, four weeks. Oh, no, it's back on again. Month after month after month, remote learning on a computer. And eventually they're saying to me, can you please get your daughter to turn her computer on? 
excuse me, love, can you please turn your computer? Leave me alone, Dad. I'm a, are you awake? Are you in bed still? It's three o'clock in the afternoon. And her, her, her scholastic, uh, uh, her education fell apart. It fell apart. So then I got her, a, I got her a, an apprenticeship uh, as a, a hairdresser. It was a pre-apprenticeship, as it turns out, at a TAFE. And I had to get the school to sign that she was allowed to leave halfway through year 11 because it was illegal for her to leave. So that happens. And then there's a mandate that she can't become an apprentice ha hairdresser in a, in a TAFE unvaccinated. So this, this girl has fallen through the cracks, but according to the old legal system that they were still making me adhere to, she wasn't allowed to fall through the cracks. It was illegal for her to not be at school, yet they made it illegal for her to be somewhere else, even though I had gotten permission for that to occur. Insane. Then the, the TAFE said she can learn to cut hair online. In her bedroom, she couldn't even study, but she can watch. She never touched a pair of scissors. And this is insanity. And you know why they said that? Because they wanted to open up direct access to my account, so I would start paying for it. So the money still flowed, and no one cared because there's no morality in it. And I had a lot of conversations with this woman who she remained nameless, as will her institution, the TAFE. And in the end, I said, "Look, I will ring the education department. Please set me in the right direction. This is a desperate parent, you know, and they'll do anything." So I ring the education department, spend just describe the situation to one member and they get put through to someone else, to someone else, to someone else. I finally find someone who just gives up and says, oh, my God, this guy. Okay, yes, look, there is this subclause where she can actually attend that TAFE. I ring the woman back and I say, yes, guess what? I've got this woman's name from the education department. She can attend the TAFE. And now the woman at the TAFE who sent me on this wild goose chase says, I'm sorry, we won't let her practice here. <laughs> I beg your pardon? She was just hoping it would go away or I would go away or I would be told no by the bureaucrats because she still wasn't willing to stand up to them anyway. Was she scared of a fine? She was scared of transgressing what was this new normal? What? We should just go along with this? This is still occurring in the culture. The aftermath of what has happened is still, people are still paying dearly for it, paying a dear price for it. So... Uh, that is both a, a sad and, and mind-boggling story, and yours is just one of, of many. I remember uh, late last year when there was constantly these uh, change in rules, particularly affecting young people, and you've just uh, said how it affected you and uh, your daughter. And, and that's uh, the tip of the iceberg because there's two other children yes. too, but sorry, Tim. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, uh, I, my family have been uh, one of the uh, some of the lucky ones in, in 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 during this this whole thing, and it seems that this was sort of part of the point of the the mandates and uh, the uh, to divide uh, people because uh, we've seen uh, fa uh, families. Uh, uh, torn apart first by the the disagreements over the pandemic policy and then the uh, the mandates and the the passport systems, which is why hmm. a lot of people should reflect now. It might seem like we're sort of back to normalish now, but just step back and think, wow, it was so insane that we had to everywhere that we went outside of our home, we had to let the the government know where we were by uh, scanning a, a QR code. And then, of course, the, the the masks, the muzzles, even like when you were outside, there was the the Victoria Police choking people for for not wearing 
masks. Mm. I mean, now's the time to, and also it could, could all happen again because uh, no government has said we were wrong for uh, uh, pursuing the, the lockdown strategy. Well, it's giving him that pandemic legislation now. It could happen even worse now. It could happen even worse. And yeah, we don't know. Like they're 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 always uh, speculating, probably hoping that uh, the the media and the 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 health experts that there's another super variant, or hoping that there's going to be some other uh, outbreak. I mean, they've uh, was that that Japanese encephalitis? They were promoting that, and they were, it, there's, yeah. there's some new Ebola in West Africa. There's Marburg. That, have you heard of Marburg? I've heard that one bandied around a bit too. And the, the hepatitis outbreak in 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 young children. There's always uh, like something that they're they're pushing. Well, it's good, like you said, for the media. It's about ratings, isn't it? And it must have been a ratings extravaganza for them. It must have been going back to the seventies for them in some respects, when you know everyone was tuning into the to the TV. So yeah, that's got, that's surely the temptation. But uh, with, with regard to the the hepatitis outbreak in children, which is very very sad, and also the return of what is it, measles and Ebola in West Africa, uh, there is a, a growing uh, gr- uh, 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 growing evidence that these outbreaks are caused by the fact that people's immune systems, particularly children's, are weak mm-hmm. because of lockdown for, for two years, not getting that natural immunity. I or mean, compromised by the vaccination itself, perhaps. Yes, we can't say... The myocarditis. On, well, we can talk about myocarditis. Yeah. Uh, that's a proven side effect, but... Uh, yeah. Always got to be careful here on on YouTube and, mm-hmm. and Facebook. Uh, we don't say too much about the the vax, even though it is more acceptable, as we saw on the Sunday Footy Show, to talk about myocarditis. Yes, indeed. Yeah, and it's amazing that you know, like Matthew Lloyd's talking about, it, and he suffered Bell's palsy, which is obviously uh, potentially a symptom of uh, what are we allowed to say? The jab. Yes. <laughs> you know, and this guy's face is drooping. As we saw from the minister in New South Wales, I never forget it. He's spruiking the, you know, uh, jab program, and uh, his face is drooping at the same time. It's almost comical in a way. If it wasn't so tragic, it would be comical, you know. And I've talked to people in my capacities, and someone has been involved in the alternative media who uh, would tell you that their children died as a result of taking uh, the two jabs. And uh, you talk to a mother in that circumstance, and uh, she describes the last moments of her daughter vomiting in a car when she's taken a break, uh, an unscheduled break from work because she felt so sick and she never uh, makes it out of that car again. And that woman believes it's due to the jabs. And you, you're telling me that she's not allowed to have that experience because that experience makes her an enemy of the state, an enemy of the narrative? What? Yeah. Where are we? Yeah, that's also been an appalling thing. Uh, that there's this denial that you're an anti-vaxxer if you talk about mm. these mm. Uh, side effects, adverse reactions, mm. and those sorts of tragic situations. And like these are people. Like some of them obviously were coerced, but some voluntarily to- uh, took the, the vaccines and got injured by them. But apparently because they experience a side effect uh, adverse event that means they're anti-vaxxer mm-hmm. like so like the profits it, were privatized and the, de- the deficits were um socialized 
So we ended up picking up the tab for, they admit now that there may be some adverse reactions to the vaccination program, but it's picked up through the Medicare system. So the taxpayer pays for it. And the big farmer walks away with all the profits, but have no liability. Where, where does that, where's that coming from? And a lot of the, the vaccines now are being chucked in the, the bin uh, because uh, they're, they're realising now that um, the public aren't going to keep buying it, like just get, keep getting boosted and jabbed every three to six months. And I'm not sure if you saw this, that Denmark has suspended its COVID uh, vaccine uh, campaign uh, because uh, they, uh, they, they know they, they no longer consider the uh, the, uh, the the pandemic them to be in the pandemic uh, or emergency uh, phase of uh, the. Of Is that COVID. why Dan Andrews won't let go because he secured that deal to have a Moderna factory built in uh, suburban Melbourne? So he's got, oh, he's got other, costs now. other mRNA vaccines there. I mean, Moderna's developing a HIV uh, vaccine, and there's also mm -hmm. talk about second-generation COVID vaccines that uh, definitely do stop transmission. They're a sterilising vaccine, even though these first-generation first vaccines promise to do that. So what happens now, Tim? What if I say, you know, I want to go to the footy, Dan? I was desperate to see a game of AFL. Please let me in. I'll take well, the back. Do I have, to have a really big booster? What do I get? Are they going to give me the first two that I missed? Have they still got some of that supply left over? You can go to the four and one hit. Hey, yeah, you can go to the footy now. The vaccine uh, passport system has gone in Victoria. It's left the football. Wow, there you go. Just yeah, before but, the election. Yeah, what but, do you think uh, that's about? You, you definitely, you, you definitely can't, uh, you know, work at the football. So you couldn't, right. uh, you know, work okay. at the the hot food outlet at the footy, <laughs> for example. That's that's really dangerous to work there. But you can certainly mm -hmm. buy some hot chips during quarter time. Okay. Unvaccinated. So I can spend money, but I can't have the means to earn any money to spend in the first place. Yeah, yeah. it's mm -hmm. like with the 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 previous rule that. Uh, it, uh, retail and hospitality staff had to be masked. Sorry, I'm getting a bit of feedback on on your end. They had to be oh, really? masked. The uh, the, the uh, customers didn't. So, if you, again, if you're behind the counter, it was you know you definitely needed to wear a mask, but uh, not if you were uh, being uh, served some chips. Ah, oh, damn it, Tim. I've gone, but I'm still hearing voice. Can you hear me? Yeah, uh, I think it's all right to turn your camera back on now. I can't yeah, hear good. it as much. Well, that's no, a youngish yeah. photo of you. Yeah, I should. Yeah, well, I should get an update on that. You're right. <laughs> well, if I'm not going, if I'm going to get elected to the Senate, because you know, here I am. There's my t-shirt. Got to have t-shirts. You have got to have merchandise. And you've got uh, boys, Tim. Uh, you know, as stuff. well. And you've got mm -hmm. a, a website, damienrichardson.com.au. So yes, got we have a, indeed. Your we've got a Facebook page too. We put a lot of information through there as well on the campaign trail too, the things we're doing. I've just came back from the Western District, did a speech at uh, Portland and Warrnambool and Colac, which is really well received. It's been really interesting getting around. I mean, that's a, that's a thing, you know. A lot of people don't know how the political system works. Uh, works and so they say oh gee damien i really liked your speech or something or i've liked what you've had to say on tim wilms show say for example and uh, I, unfortunately i'm not in your electorate so i can't vote for you and you go no actually i'm the senate the whole of victoria is my electorate so anyone who's a registered voter 
in the state of Victoria can vote for me. As a matter of fact, is legally obliged to vote for someone in the Senate, so you might as well vote for me. I know there's a lot of people that say they don't want to participate at all, so there's a whole common law group who say, no, the system's so corrupt, you only encourage it by voting for anyone inside the system. We want the system to collapse, but the reality is that'll be make it really hard for us uh, us alternative voices because you know the people that rusted on to Liberal and Labor, they'll be marshalling the troops and they'll be voting en masse and come the 21st of May, we're not at the point of revolution. There will be a federal parliament. They will be enacting laws that affect all of our lives and it will be enforced by the power of the state. And people say they don't like the political system, but so often people say they heard Jared Rennick say something or Alex Antich or uh, Malcolm Roberts. There's all these notable exceptions where people still do draw hope and encouragement from hearing their voice reflected back to them. And so my, my appeal to Victorians in particular is that there's 227 parliamentarians in the federal parliament. Seven of them are openly questioning the narrative. None of them are Victorians. Why is that when we had the largest protest movement in the country actually in the history of the nation itself? There should be some representation for our voice, and I believe the Senate is the right place for it, and I believe an independent is the right person for it. And imagine, and I don't believe we're going to hold power or someone's going to be, I mean, you can't anyway from the Senate, clearly. Government's formed in the lower house. But uh, imagine if we went from having seven questioning the narrative to 20 or 22 or 17 or something, some increase what solace that would give and what heart that would give to that massive community, which is really, really questioning the bureaucratic narrative. Because that's what it is ultimately. It's a bureaucratic narrative that has to exist in theory alone for the bureaucracy to continue to thrive. But it thrives at our detriment. It thrives at our detriment and at the detriment of common sense. You're absolutely right that you not only have to tell the people uh, vote for me, but how to, to vote, vote for you, because there's uh, been a concerted effort uh, uh, during this uh, federal election by alternate media uh, personalities uh, such as Topher Field, Joel Jamal, uh, Pauline Hanson through a cartoon series has done quite a yes. number of Please uh, explain. The voting system. So there's 151 individual lower house house of representative seats, which uh, we uh, elects one member and it's done by preferential voting. And what uh, a lot of, a lot of voters don't understand is that you control your preferences. All the, uh, the parties have their, their how to vote cards, which how they want you to, to vote, but you, when you get into the ballot, uh, uh, the voting booth, you can fill out your ballot one to however many candidates, uh, ha uh, in the order that you want, but in the, the lower house, the, green paper you have to number every box but it's different in the the senate so the senate is the the long white one because uh each senate each state has 12 senators they elect six each uh eight, every three years the territories only have two senators uh so 100 percent divided by you have to divide it by seven so it's 14.3 percent for a quota and the reason why Oh, I've got to go all the way down here to 
because there's in the the senate there's if you they're, they're all labeled by number so you have the the reason uh reason party uh fiona Patton's party which a lot of people have nicknamed the treason party since she rubber stamped all of uh, dan's uh state of emergency extensions and you go right down here and uh, it goes down to uh, group uh, z so there's 26 different uh voting groups and now this is what really confuses people in the there's both above the line for the uh senate voting tickets where you have to at least number one to six or if you vote below the line have to number at least one to 12 but you can above the line you can still number all boxes same with below the line yes so this is why it's so confusing for someone yes. like you to sort of explain it all yes it is are you going to have a well, how to vote card or we have we are going to have a how to vote card yep yeah we've got a, a volunteer group called team demo i think i was saying to you before the show that i was on it just before i got on the show just to rally the troops etc and uh they're the sort of things yeah we need to take care of so we we've got to produce a how to vote card we're talking about how many of them do we need do we need about forty thousand of them? How much is a print of forty thousand worth to us? Because you know it's a considerable amount of money because someone's got to stump up, stump up with it. We don't have massive donors or anything like that as a uh, as a um, organic grassroots um, organisation. So we've got to have people too to hand out at all the polling booths, the hand of vote cards, and uh, the election. Uh, there'll be yeah, like I said, there's pre polling. I think we've already talked about that, you know, and. Um, we need to have those pre-polling places manned um, so we don't lose, which is potentially 50% of the vote could be pre-polling. It was 30% in 2019. They projected it to go up to about 50% this time around. So we need presence there to try and garner our part of the vote, our percentage of the vote, because it would be terrible to have to leave it all, of course, to polling day. So you start to see how some of the uh, – it's stacked against the uh, – individuals and smaller parties by the by the majors absolutely even the calling of the election like calling it what we've got a christmas break there's all these business things that have to be tended to and taken care of during business hours all these protocols that have to be met to be a legitimate um candidate it's made very difficult by the uh, amount of holidays there is and then there's also anzac uh, holiday thrown in as well so uh, it certainly hasn't helped us and then they changed the rules of uh, um, the disclaimer that you have to give at the end of your uh, you know anything that's considered um, a political statement has to have a disclaimer you know spoken and authorized by Damien Richardson or John McBride or whatever and now it has to be accompanied by an address as well now do I as an individual who's been on television really want to give everybody my address but it's a legal requirement from the AEC, what, are we going to have an argument with the AEC on this issue? And that's going to, how much time is that going to take up so we can't meet the people and, and develop policy, et cetera, et cetera. And there's no point complaining about it because it's just the reality of the system you're confronting. Yeah, yeah. Oh, uh, compliance is a whole other thing. And uh, to, to uh, having you on this program tonight, it's to, to profile you. I am mm -hmm. not allowed to to say, like, advocate uh, to my viewers who to vote for. Otherwise, I'd have to have a authorization uh, message. I just, I always tell uh, my audience. Tim, I heard you were going to endorse me on the program. That's what, 
our friend Richard Wollstonecroft said, he said, don't worry, Tim's going to endorse you tonight. Are you saying, are you really telling me that that's not going to happen? Well, I, I still don't know who I'm going to vote for in the... In, in Tim! The <laughs> I know, I heard you say too, you're going to wait till the end, right at the end. Well, that's good. We'll have a wet sail by then, my friend. We'll be coming home with a wet sail. So. Well, there's still so many... if undecided uh, voters and of course they it's by these holdouts of course they they make the the candidates work work more for their votes and that's I, true that's and true. as i said in my introduction you're supposed to wait until election day you should only cast a pre-poll or postal vote if you can't get to a polling place on election day I was at Portland. I did a speech at Portland on Sunday and this woman came up to me afterwards and she talked for a very long time. She said, I'm sorry, Damien. I really liked your speech. I like what you said. I agree with a lot of it, but I really think there is no point voting. So I'm sorry, but I'm still not going to vote. But she was there in front of me challenging me. So she clearly wanted to have a conversation. So it took me like, it took me like 45, 50 minutes with this woman. And then she went away and then she came back and she said, look, Damien, against my better judgment, I've listened to what you've had to say and I've decided that I will be voting for you. I mean, if every single vote I get takes that long, I'm, you know, I could be in trouble, I reckon, because I don't have enough time to get 540,000 that way. Well, you did, you did reach her, which is, that shows that uh, you're one voter at a time, uh, you can win them over. Yes. Well, if we had enough time, I've only got another three and a half weeks. So, uh, yeah, we've got a live stream is going to come with us too. We're going, you know, we're appearing at places on the weekend, which is the thing to do. Actually, we're going to be at the, at the market at 11 a.m. Um, this uh, Saturday. So if anyone wants to come to the market and say day and uh, maybe buy a T-shirt because we've got these lovely, you know, blue and yellow T-shirts, which are nothing to do with the Ukraine, of course. The Ukrainian conflict happened after we'd already commissioned these T-shirts being printed. But there was, I remember going to a protest one time and I parked my car in North Melbourne. I thought that'd be a good place to get, you know, if I have to run to my car and escape because that's the sort of stuff that was happening. And I was walking through the market at the time and one of the vendors came out and said, by the way, mate, I just want to tell you, the police are just around the corner there. So they were clearly watching Cafe Lockdown or whatever it was, and they were a real supporter. And there's a lot of people in small businesses that suffered more than anybody else that really were big supporters of our, our advocacy on their behalf. And there was another time, and I don't know, you might remember it, Tim, when there was like half a million people uh, at that first massive march, and we marched down to Flagstaff Gardens. And after a while, we left Flagstaff Gardens and a group of us was sitting in the Melbourne market and there wasn't much of it left open and there was one um, uh, a, a vendor in there, a fast food, is a, a big Turkish family. They're all in there serving us and stuff and we started talking to them and they were just wrapped with what we were doing. They didn't, have the, they didn't have the courage to do it or they felt compromised to do it themselves, being small business owners, but they loved what we were doing and then they just gave us all the free food. They just said, oh, there's all this food left. Here, have it. And they just gave us this box full of food which no one wanted to eat because it was so greasy and oily. So we ended up sort of giving half of it away to uh, the homeless over the road. But it was wonderful. We had wonderful conversations with people that wouldn't necessarily normally have really in-depth and long conversations. It was great. So I'm hoping to uh, renew some of those acquaintances on the weekend. And then we'll be going to the MCG at 3.30. I think we're at um, Tower 6, I think it is. Uh, I could be wrong, but have a look on the Facebook page. And that's in between... 
you know, there's a footy game starting there at 4.35, so we'll be there at 3.30 again handing out uh, some of our paraphernalia. If enough people assemble, I just start making a speech. That seems to be what happened. If there's not enough, I won't bother. I'll just be a meet and greet. And if enough want it, I'm happy to just stump up and, and do that. And then we'll be at Southern Cross Station at 6 o'clock. And then we'll be at Trafalgar the next day in East Gippsland. So we're really getting around. We're getting around a lot. And the following weekend, we're heading up to the Sunraysia and the Murray River in Mildura and Horsham and, uh, yeah, et cetera. So it's been really interesting and uh, it's good to uh, get around and see so much of this state. Yeah, well, that's what you got to do uh, if you're a candidate and, and want to win. You've got to uh, get out there, travel, what's the expression, campaign your your, your socks off. But uh, yeah. as you mentioned, you've uh, already got a a lot of, of name recognition through uh, Cafe Locked Out. It was sure. incredibly uh, mm-hmm. popular uh, live show that was on at uh, one time, I think, every every weeknight. Uh, mm-hmm. It was it was giving the, the, the Sky After Dark shows uh, a, a run for their money. And yeah, I was taking Tuesday nights off, but Michael was doing seven nights a week sometimes. So, yeah. Yeah. And he's, uh, I'm not sure if it, he's still using the show name, but he's doing his own lives uh, all around yeah. the, the country as well. He's not. No, he's still running. calling it Cafe Locked Out. I think my, my head's still on the... Uh, still on the uh you know insignia that he uses so uh yeah uh and he's in western australia he's basically doing a lap of uh of australia i think once he gets around to melbourne he might chuck another lap as well so he really likes it on the road and he's talking to a lot of people and uh as we've said before a lot of um you know people uh distressed as a result of how their government has treated them over the past two years how their government and the institutions and the corporations have uh, fused together to treat them if truth be known. Now, if you don't win a, a Senate seat, are you going to run for the, the Legislative Council at the Victorian state election? Because that's arguably uh, where uh, most of the, the change in terms of uh, COVID policy restrictions can be can be made. All of the, the state of emergency, public health acts, they're all uh, state obviously the federal government they shut the international waters with the biosecurity state but it was still the premiers and chief ministers who locked us all down well there is a constitution i don't see the constitution here that anyone can get from their local member that's free you just have to go to your local federal member and they'll give you a pocket version of the constitution um so there is arguments to be made that that is not the case, what you're saying. That would appear to be the case and that has been the case, but there is certainly an argument to be made on constitutional grounds why that should not necessarily be the case, that federal law could actually trump state law, according to Section 109. And then there's 5123A, which clearly stipulates that Australians cannot be conscripted into taking a medication. So there's a lot of grounds for arguments that can be made through the Constitution that the federal government could have done a hell of a lot more had it had um, the uh, moral authority or wanted well, to. Yeah, Scott Morrison certainly uh, didn't. He just, yeah, he just said, oh, none of it's my responsibility. Yeah. And, oh, you know, uh, Mark McGowan seems popular in West. Yeah, I'll just rubber stamp what he's doing. Exactly right. Exactly right. And what's Morrison playing the game of, well, 
I'm not as bad as that other guy. So when you're in the privacy of your ballot box, you might yeah. not like me, but who are you going to vote for? But that hardly um, ignites the base, does it? Yeah, hardly the inspiring better, better never, you know uh, strategy. So Well, that's right. And it wasn't the strategy he used, was it, in 2019 when he came out really hard against Bill Shorten's, you know, uh, extreme Basically, climate yeah. agenda. And he's really, and you thought, God, I got real hope from Scott. I thought, here he goes. This this guy could be good. And then what did we get for the next, you know, two and a half years? Not much of it. Was he demoralized because Trump, of the way Trump was removed? Uh, Probably. So and from office? Yeah. McGowan's just- landslide, Anastasia Palaszczuk's landslide. Right. He was probably uh, yep. scared of that. Stephen well. Marshall's non non land landslide. <laughs> Although he was as bad as uh, any Labor uh, premier. Yeah, but uh, he didn't hold office. This is the extraordinary thing. So it doesn't see. So I'll, the argument could easily be made that he did not appeal to his base. Marshall tried to appeal to the Labor Party's base, and um, it doesn't work. It doesn't work when a, when a when a when a liberal does that. And you know we saw that with. Uh, uh, the Prime Minister, didn't we, before, previous to that. And um, he was the best Labor Liberal Prime Minister that uh, Australia ever had, Malcolm Turnbull. And uh, he he tried to appeal to a base that wasn't the Liberal Party's base and got destroyed as a result of it. And so the same thing happened to Marshall because big government and big health is Labor power. It's Labor heartland. But enterprise and initiative and small business is... Liberal heartland, but they let it go. Well, the the arts has traditionally been the, the uh, well, the the left labour have uh, traditionally thought that's their base. Uh, though I know that there's still uh, a, a lot of uh, showbiz zombies, even though that live entertainment has been shut down for two years. I know that filmed entertainment a lot of that was able to continue they just had to put their masks back on when the when the director said cut uh mm. but that was mm. completely decimated live music live mm. theater well they're mendicants of the state artists ultimately the mendicants of the state particularly in australia and maybe the truth through other parts of the world too because they rely on the funding they rely on the funding model so it's all state money or they rely on getting a job with the ABC, usually more often than not. But even the uh, commercial networks are all part of the program. And you know that if you try and resist it, you find out quick smart, you know. And then there's the pretense that the left still pretend they're fighting the man, but they have all the same opinions and all the same uh, ideals as uh, what the man does today and uh, needs to be called out, needs to be called out as part of the truth that is present in contemporary Australian culture. How could we move forward without being able to tell ourselves some sort of truth? Or are we in a version of Hans Christian Andersen's, you know, the Emperor's, the Emperor's New Clothes, where in the end they all know he's naked, they all know he's nude, it's exposed, the child exposes it, and they all go back to just pretending he isn't. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be a very interesting next next year with not just the federal election but the victorian state election and then the the new south wales state election in march 2023 your your platform again is yep. uh well you can go through it here yep so keep our cash obviously we say no to a social credit score and that's the idea too that there, there would be a sort of a, a digital currency 
And again, this is a good theoretical idea for, of the bureaucrats because in reality it won't be the case because there'll always be some form of a currency. So we're going to leave it to the black market to fill in the space instead. And what protections will that you know, provide for pensioners and people that are vulnerable? because it'll be the bureaucrats controlling it. They'll be using the same money whilst they're, you know, extolling the virtues of the new theoretical understanding of a digital currency. <laughs> That's what happens. It's a perversity. It's just, communism always leads, or socialism, or, you know, whatever you want to call it, fascism always leads to uh, that, that perversity. Tell the truth was an interesting policy. It was the second policy I put up, and I'm, I'm working on enshrining our freedoms as we speak. Um, I put that policy up. And it was basically we just want to know we want it to, we want uh, the bureaucrats to disclose to us the information they were given to respond through COVID the way they did. So we want transparency basically from the bureaucrats. Now I put that policy up, and um, I had to sign uh, or you know uh, all these different forms and stuff for Facebook to be registered as a political party. And they said to me, this will protect you. You'll be able to make, uh, you'll be able to say things that otherwise you might be shut down for if you're registered as a political uh, site, which you have to be anyway, if you're running for office. And um, I'd never been threatened to be shut down before. As soon as I released the tell the truth policy, um, Facebook took it down. <laughs> they didn't warning. Like I know, which is extraordinary. I said, what? And so I complained, obviously. And I thought, oh, here we go. My, you know, my tin foil hat came out, and I thought, this, I'll never get this site back up. They've, they've already jumped on me. Anyway, they, they put it back up within an hour. I thought, oh, there it is. It's back up. And then they said, we're still investigating it. And um, and then a couple of days later, they said, look, we we did investigate it and find out that it did go against community standards. There you are. You're looking at it now. <laughs> that went against community standards. And we're going to let you go this time because anyone can make a mistake. But if you do it again, we will shut the site down. Oh, that was kind of them to give you a sense. That's what we're doing. Yeah, we're fighting with a hand tied behind our back all the time, using their platform as well to try and make the argument. That's where we're at. So, yeah, enshrine our freedom. So that we're working with the idea, too, of maybe making some amendments to the Constitution. But no one even seems to know about the Constitution, the Australian Constitution, and the protections that it protect, perhaps does um, provide us. Is the Australian Constitution anach anachronistic now? was written, you know, or written in 1900 and, you know, uh, recognised, obviously, at Federation in 1901. Um, but And the world's moved into a different epoch. You know, we have non-government organisations that earn more money than the nation state. Pfizer, Facebook, you know, Nike, they don't care for borders. They don't care for national identity. They want to sell to the world. They want to sell on a global scale. So that's confronting to us as a nation. So does that need to be talked about? Is there a way of amending our constitution like the Americans have to make a difference? So that's what that policy is about. Drain the billabongs, obviously a bit of a play on um, drain the swamp. You know, Trump's drain the swamp. Yeah, so we gave it a colloquial term, drain the billabong. But ultimately, the, the bureaucracy needs to be rationalised to some extent because without that, we're just going to get more of the same. Climate will be next, I would well imagine. And... Uh, yeah, so, uh, and I haven't seen anyone with the courage, and, and Scott Morrison even, he froze $83 million, I think, of ABC money when he was elected to office in 2019, and he's recently given that money back. That was him draining the swamp. There was no drain at all. There was just sort of like a little threat, but in the end, when the election was called, it was like, no, here, you can have your money back. Nothing's happened. It's all the same. Please don't hurt us. Please don't scold us. Please don't editorialise against us. 
So ultimately, again, there's no draining of any billabong there. And ultimately, in the last week, we want to uh, release our final policy. We've gone maybe a bit far with the fifth one. Apparently, traditionally, you only have four, but we thought we'd chuck in protect our kids because clearly they're the most important uh, aspect of our future as a culture. And uh, it's a pretty simple idea to education, not indoctrination. And I know all three of my children have come home at some point and said to me, um, you know, Dad, it's International Women's Day today and we had to watch a film about it, bend it like Beckham or something, and we had to celebrate it. And basically it's a Marxist celebration established by the Soviet Union, mm. celebration of women. It sounds nice, but and the, all of them at some point, probably because they're my children, said, well, when's International Men's Day? And not every single teacher said this, but all of them had some glib response from some feminist teacher which said, every day is International Men's Day. There actually and, is an International Men's Day, 19th of November, which is my birthday. It really? Because my mother's birthday as well, and I always say that to her. I say, happy International Men's So there you go. I'll remember that. You're a Scorpio. Good. Oh, good to know. I'm, I'm writing to my star signs, as you can well imagine. So, um, you know, this is the stuff. You know, that's an anecdote from Mike, but we all know it's true, it's real, and the education system is a system of indoctrination. Why doesn't it teach the Constitution? Why doesn't it teach civics? Why does it teach identity politi politics and, you know, uh, a spectrum of uh, victimhood on this identity politics line? You know, I mean, ultimately, I think this constitution needs to be taught. So the kids have got some idea of the freedoms they have because no one even understands it. Suddenly there's all these constitutional lawyers over the last two years because people have had to. They've been ignited, you know to see what protections their system may well provide for them. And hopefully representation in the Senate is one that they would consider worthwhile. Uh, Australians, uh, they've well, demonstrated how passive uh, they are to, to governments over the past uh, two years. Well, if the government says that this is the, the, the way it is, then they know best and we should uh, just accept mm. it. But there's definitely more awoke now not woke but awoke yes yep. you want people to be awoke not woke yeah um, yep. but so that's why i think it'll be interesting to see uh where the vote complacency is. really hasn't it yeah complacency the land of milk and honey in many respects yes. we've been sold with consumerism and materialism and, and let go of any idea of faith or under concept of a higher power and god i think is a big part of the uh, the conversation Oh, it's been great to, to profile uh, you and your uh, platform and, and campaign tonight, uh, Damien. Uh, all the best uh, for the, the rest of the, the campaign. Uh, make sure you get a bit of rest in from, from time to time. And uh, we're going to be having a uh, Wilms Front Unshackled uh, election night live stream on on may 21st so you'd be welcome to phone in from whatever election night function you, you have to i think we're looking at booking a place in clifton hill at this particular point in time so yeah that'd be great tim love to mate all right uh all the best and so uh if people want to see your uh go over your platform again it's uh, damien richardson uh, .com .au. yep or at Damien Richardson for the Senate, which is our Facebook page as well. And you can donate, of course. Don't be afraid of hitting the donate button so we can uh, take the fight up to the majors as best we can. All right. Uh, all the best for the rest of the campaign, and we'll check in Thanks, again Tim. soon. Cheers, mate. <laughs>
Uh, I'll get, yeah. We'll, 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 I was we'll going out a bit of merch. <laughs> oh, you're done. <laughs> uh, oh, no, you still going? Do you want oh, no, just, yeah, I was just going to let you get that in. Get that in. Which way do I go? Oh, that's the way I have to go. There you go. Yeah. Look. Yeah. Don't be afraid yeah. to buy a T-shirt. <laughs> Beautiful merchandising. Blue and yellow. And it's not the Ukrainian colours, of course. It's the West Coast Eagles colours. Okay. Oh, well, that might actually very strategic, very strategic well. decision. <laughs> it's not the EU either. It's Damien Richardson for the Senate, of course. All right, everybody. That's the Wilmsfront show for this week. And now I'll be back uh, tomorrow night uh, for Trad Tasman uh, talk, which will be at six p.m. Melbourne time, 8 p.m. Auckland time on the Unshackled and Mr. Berry, Mr. Berry YouTube channel. Uh, so obviously I've got Stephen Berry as my co-host again. There's a lot to catch up on, not just with the Australian uh, federal election campaign, but also what's going on in New Zealand. Some continued craziness that's going over there. Uh, so... There is uh, plenty to uh, digest and go through uh, with him. So I uh, hope you can join, uh, join us then. And then, of course, uh, Tim's News Explosion back 8.30 p.m. Melbourne time on the, the Wilmsfront channels. And don't forget to check out the unshackled.net uh, for our archives and also our articles as well. Take care, stay safe, uh, stay sane, and also stay informed uh, this election campaign. Thanks for tuning in to Wilmsfront. Visit timwilms.com or Rational Rise TV to view the archive of episodes. And keep visiting theunshackled.net to view all our shows. And to keep up with the latest real news and analysis.